James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Today we are going to talk a little bit about wisdom. It's a topic that we could, Americans, those from the United States, could do with learning a lot more about. But if you have been following me as I talk to you on a variety of topics, we've talked about how God's thinking and man's thinking are almost exclusively upside down to one another. Right? So what God sees, man sees the opposite way until he learns to see through God's eyes. So what man feels is good is almost turned on its head when we look at it through the eyes of God. When what man thinks is the most valuable, God paves his streets with. So man's thinking and God's thinking are different. When we come to this point of wisdom, what we find is that true wisdom does not come from man at all. True wisdom is divine wisdom. It is the lens through which we must view life in order to see things the way that God sees them. So here's the, the statement that James deals with, and we're going to turn it into a question and then come back and answer it. How to live with wisdom. How do you live with wisdom? How do you live as a wise person? Let's find out what James has to say about it. I guess before we get there, let me just share with you that uh, St. Augustine, who was uh, one of the early church fathers, has written that the greatest good, period, there's no qualifier, the greatest good is wisdom. The greatest good that we could have in our life is God-given wisdom. There was one man who actually was given God-given wisdom in abundance. What was his name? Solomon. And yet... For having all that wisdom, he got in quite a mess, didn't he? It should be clear for us that just to have wisdom is not enough. We have to apply that wisdom to our lives in order to make our lives, the result of our lives, good in reference to what St. Augustine is saying. Uh, in the New Testament, the word for wisdom is Sophia. Hey, we've got a little girl named Sophia here, don't we? Uh, Melissa's daughter, one of them is Sophia, and, and it means wisdom. It means wise. Truthfully, the word actually interprets better as enlightenment. Ah, 
grasshopper. Enlightenment. It is a place, and you know, there are all kinds of religions seeking enlightenment, right? Um, Buddhists, specifically, are seeking a stage of enlightenment. Hindus are seeking a stage of enlightenment. But the truth of the matter is, we as Christians truly need to seek enlightenment, which is not human understanding about life circumstances, but a godly revelation about life circumstances. Here's the definition as we were able to extrapolate from a variety of source, sources. It is Sophia, or wisdom, is a divine gift of understanding which in practical application enhances our relationship with God and is demonstrated daily in our relationship to others. Now, don't move from the screen yet, Ted, because I want these people to get this. Wisdom does not come from inside. It does not come from other men. It does not come from greater study. It does not come from a more uh, finely tuned mind. We actually uh, now understand that the brain is developed by exercise, just like the body is developed by exercise. And so you'll see television shows and you'll hear people talking about doing these brain games to increase the productivity of their mind. But you cannot increase your personal productivity of wisdom in your own strength. I'm a, I'm a basketball lover, specifically college basketball. And right now, because I'm a hillbilly from Kentucky, <clears throat> my team's on top. They've been on top. They're actually undefeated as of today. 27-0, undefeated, and, and, but here's the thing, and they, they have a lot of big guys, and so they dunk the ball, and they come down, and a lot of times they'll go, you know, and flex your muscle and point at the muscle and say, I did that. But with wisdom, you can't do that. Matter of fact, I, I had somebody say to me when I was younger that, for a wife, for a young man, I showed a lot of wisdom. And, and I couldn't even say thank you, right? I mean, I, I, I said thank you for that compliment, but it, it's not my, I don't have any way to do that. I just have to be attentive to God. So it is a divine gift that gives us understanding about all the things that are unwrapping themselves in our lives. And in practical application, the reality of that divine gift is the only way that our wisdom can increase is when we increase this connection. That's the heavenly connection. The godly connection. And then once that upward connection is, is connected, it is then demonstrated by the relationship that we have with others. Now, this doesn't mean that if you have wisdom, you are never going to make a mistake. 
Sometimes you have to put it in reverse and back up out of that dead-end road you've just been pulling yourself down. Right? Sometimes you have to go back. Okay, I took a wrong turn. I wasn't listening or I wasn't as close as I needed to be or I thought one thing, but that really wasn't what it was supposed to be. So this relationship with God is demonstrated in our relationship to others so that they may see the God in us. As we increase our relationship with God, He gives us understanding that helps us to connect with others, to develop that relationship with others. Let's move forward. So here's what James starts out by saying. Who is wise and understanding among you? Y'all pretty much know this, don't you? After you've been in a church for many years, you can point out the wise ones. And by that I mean you can point out the people that if you have to make a spiritual decision, if you need to make a decision in your life, period, and you want guidance or you want someone to help you pray about that or someone to give you good godly wisdom, you go to certain people because it just shows on their faces. Now that doesn't mean that every person that shows wisdom is going to always make all wise decisions. Some of the wisest people I know have learned from their mistakes. But they're still paying for those mistakes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a woman that I, I trust to pray for me. A woman that I know prays for me regularly. A woman that none of you know, unless by fluke of something you happen to be in Paris, Kentucky and connect with this lady. But she is a lady who I trust to share things of confidence. Now, she is not the most brilliant person to ask a math problem from, or she's not the most brilliant person to ask how to write this essay. But when it comes to saying, what does God think about that? She's someone that I would trust to do so. But you know what? She lives in poverty. She lives alone. Because she made some choices a long time ago that have affected her life long term. But she grew in that and became wise. God revealed his understanding to her. So he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Let's go ahead and read the whole thing. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Hmm. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, 
demonic. Hmm. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So let's take it, break it down a little bit. Let's find out the first thing we need to know about how to live with wisdom. The first thing we need to understand is if you are wise, demonstrate it. <laughs> Y'all seen that commercial where they're picking up soccer teams and they've got the different shirts that they've got different nicknames on? And one of them's got that soccer superstar, Donovan. And they, the back of this jersey has Don Olvan, you know. And so he's he's superstar. He can do anything on the team. Matter of fact, he can beat the team, right? And they've got him on the bench. And, and, and part of it is because the coach doesn't recognize, doesn't see what he's able to do. And he, other than one simple little kick there where he, where he brings the ball in, he doesn't demonstrate it. What James is telling us, if you are wise, we should see the fruit of that wisdom. Let the one who is wise, who is wise and understanding among you, let them, let you, Show it by your good life. Wise choices. Woohoo! Man, I wish I could put my car in reverse and back up a few years and make some choices differently because I didn't always make the wisest decisions. I mean, right now had I not made some very poor choices. Right? All of us can talk about stuff like that. He's saying to us as Christians, James is saying to us, if you are wise, continue making wise choices. Show your children, show your church, show your neighborhood that you are making choices Deeds done in humility that come from that upward connection. You remember the extension cord we talked about? How we've got to stay plugged in to the Father? That's what he's talking about. If you've got that plugged in, then the power of God, the wisdom of God can flow into your life. And you may then have products that demonstrate this humility that comes from wisdom. Number two, earthly wisdom is not wise. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Earthly wisdom said, go ahead, take it, 
deserve it. Huh? Earthly wisdom says, don't you worry about anybody else but you and yours. And if yours aren't treating you right, don't even worry about them. It's all about you. You the man. Somebody sent me that statement. Yesterday, they were teasing around with me. They said, you're the man. I said, no, but I do know the man. <laughs> the earthly wisdom says we are the center of our universe. The earthly wisdom said it's all about us. It is not wise. It gives way to bitter envy because when we look at us, and compare us to somebody else, somebody's always going to have more than we do, somebody's always going to look prettier than we do, somebody's always going to have a better looking spouse than we do, except for me. <laughs> somebody's always going to have something else that you don't have. And if you're always focusing on you, your world is going to eventually explode. Because no matter how good it gets, at some point, if your focus is you, you're going to have bitter envy in your heart because you don't have enough. Because you're looking for a happiness, a contentment that comes in something that you can possess or manipulate. It ain't happening. And it gives way to selfish ambition. My goodness. I just think I need to make a little more. And after that, a little more. And after that, a little more. Until finally I have all that I can possibly have. And what was it? Was it Rockefeller, you said? When they went to him and said, J.D., how much is enough? And he said, a little bit more. Right? Never content. Full of selfish ambition. If you have this in your life, if you are self-focused, if you are finding yourself looking at a particular scenario and unable to see beyond you, don't boast about it. Nor should you deny it its existence. I will be honest with you folks. There are times that we find ourselves short-sighted. There are times in all of our lives where we become consumed in the moment with something that is happening, something that's going on, and we can't see beyond what's right there in front of us. And if we're not careful, it will give way to bitter envy or selfish ambition. And if we let it, it certainly will give way to those things. But here's what he says to us. Don't boast about what you did. Well, you know what he did to me? And you know what I'm going to do back to him? Mm -hmm. Right there. Right? Stretch my muscle. I'm going to let him have it. Yes, he slapped me on the mouth. But I won't knock his head so sideways, his mama won't recognize me. Mm. 
See, that's what I'm talking about. This whole idea of boasting about something that we think we have control of, or to deny its existence. Oh no, I'm not angry.
leads to all kinds of brokenness, disorder, all other evil practices, and is from the very pit of hell. So here we go. How then do we live with divine wisdom? Heavenly wisdom is the answer, not from anything we can derive here on the face of this earth. We can't dig it up. We can't manufacture it. We can't even link to it. There is no web page where you can go to download wisdom. Not even vb1naz.org. You won't find wisdom on that page. Because wisdom is from above. And it is, first of all, pure. Y'all remember me talking to you about purity some time ago? And you remember what I told you? If I had 100% pure, sparkling H2O, not a mass. Only H2O. And it was chilled to like 34 degrees. And it was so wonderful and you just, you were ready to take a drink about like I am right now. And somebody came up to you and said, <clears throat> excuse me, I have this little vial. And in this little vial, I have some germs. I have some bacteria. Maybe even something as ridiculous as feces from birds or wild animals or something. And I'm just not going to put much in there, right? I'm just going to put just a little teeny. You won't even be able to see it. Right? And I put that in there and I, I drop it in and I say, would you like a drink? How many of you say, yeah, I'd like that. Nobody. Nobody wants contaminated water. Yet I'm telling you that from a volume perspective, it's 99.9999999% pure. That's pretty pure, isn't it? But it's not pure enough. Because there's a little bit of it that comes with danger. Religion and wisdom, if they do not originate from the Father, they are not 100% pure. So the wisdom that you may hear from all these other, even televangelists, who put their little spin on it, all you've got to do is just be happy. It's all about you. Just put that smile on your face and you tell God what you want him to do and he's got to do it. God, that's not what the scripture says. That's not heavenly wisdom because it's impure. It contains a lie and any portion of a lie is destructive. The father of lies loves getting about 95% truth in what he says because he can confuse us into believing something that will damn us. 
So heavenly wisdom is the answer. It is first of all pure and it is peace loving. Whoa. Amen. You know, I had something happen the other day to me. In fact, it happened in this last week. It wasn't of any significance, I found out, to the other person that it happened to. But at the time, it caused me to be in a place where I wasn't at peace. And I was struggling with it because I was trying to take my own understanding and try to justify the things that had happened. And it wasn't clear in my brain. I was clouded. And it was leading me to a place emotionally and mentally that I did not want to be. So you know what I had to do? I had to send an invitation to this person to sit down with me so we could talk. And I said, here's why we're talking. And the person looked at me and said, don't worry about it. Didn't bother me a bit. I'm like, yeah, but it bothered me. And I need to be at peace. So thank you. I'm sorry. Right? I'm not bragging on me. This other person was a much stronger brother than was I in that moment. Because I allowed my clouded thinking to take me to a place that I shouldn't have been. Wasn't anything ungodly, but it, it in that moment became something that was self-focused. Yeah. Hmm. See, even pastors can become confused in the moment if you're not careful. So it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate. No, no, no. Me first. Right? Right? No, no, don't you go. Just me first. No, no, me first. Right? You ever been to the grocery line and somebody said, I had that happen to me this week. I had about six things in my hand and the guy behind me had a whole grocery cart full of stuff. And we were both motoring up to the line. I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And as I got closer, both of us were meeting right at the same time. It was like collision course. And I'm thinking, all right, the right thing to do is to let him go first. And he looked at me and said, go ahead. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, seemingly insignificant, seemingly unimportant, but the way that we think about life, if we're not careful, is <clears throat> me first. Oh, you got a whole cart full of stuff. Besides that, you don't know who I am. How much I deserve to be on. Right? No, no. True wisdom is considerate. It thinks about the needs of others. It makes sure that the other people are not inconvenienced, but rather in the love of Christ, thoughtful toward their what's going on in their brain, what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their lives. Then it is submissive. Oh no, Pastor, don't talk to me like that. I mean, I don't mind. Submitting to <clears throat> certain people, right? As long as they're not too oppressive, I'll submit. 
Hello? Submission is not an easy thing to be. And yet, as I read my scripture, I find that to Christians everywhere, he tells us to respect one another and to submit to one another. You know, earthly wisdom says, I'm smarter than he is, therefore I don't have to listen to him. Right? Earthly wisdom says, I have my MD. Smarter than David. And I don't have to listen to him. I'm a doctor. Or earthly wisdom says, you know what? That little whippersnapper has only lived 27 years on the face of this earth. What could he possibly say? Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Whatever it is you use to justify the desire not to submit to the authorities that God has placed over you, or to one another in the body of Christ, that is real wisdom, is submitting to authority. And being considerate of the other. And then he says, full of mercy and full of good fruit. What's mercy? <laughs> Extending to another consideration when they don't deserve it. I'm going to see to it that he gets punished. I'm going to take his name before the courts. We're going to hold his feet to the fire. We'll see if he takes another lollipop the rest of his life. Mercy says, yes, he took my lollipop. I wish he wouldn't have taken my lollipop. I hope someday to get another lollipop. But for the moment, I think we need to extend to him lollipop type mercy. And also it says wisdom produces good fruit. Good fruit? All of us know the fruit of the Spirit. We talked a little bit about that last week. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, goodness, patience. Gentleness, self-control. All those things are good fruit. But what, what is he saying about good fruit? Here's the deal about good fruit. Good fruit makes people want more. I, I remember. Matter of fact, not quite now, but just a little bit before this time, driving through the mountains of Peru, we get through the one section there going over the mountains back into the jungle and there's a place out there by the side of the road they sell big old bags, plastic bags like the 10 pound bags of potatoes. They sell the 10 pound bags of mangoes. And they are red, ripe mangoes from the tree. And you can take those fruit and you can brush them off on your, or you can peel them if you don't want to get the disease that may be there because somebody touched it with a contaminated hand that wasn't <clears throat> pure, right? 
But you can take those mangoes and you can bite in them and the juices roll down your arm and off your elbow and onto your pants and then your shoes so that when you get in the next community that you're going, the dogs come around and lick your shoes. You see, it's good fruit and you want more. You're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get a mango like that. And I don't get them in the United States. They, they ship them out before they're ripe, you know, and, and you get them and they just don't have the same flavors. But my goodness, those tree ripened mangoes, they just, you just want more. The same thing with the fresh pineapple. I, I'm just hungry for a little bit of South America right now. What I'm saying is, Heavenly wisdom makes the people around us want to have more of the Christ that's in us. Yes. Heavenly wisdom builds a connection with others that makes them say, I like that. If I ever get what I want to get, that's what I want. And then he says, heavenly wisdom is impartial. Not a respecter of persons. It doesn't weight this person over here with more value than this person over here. It says, that person wants to talk to me, that person needs to share, that person needs to unburden their heart, and I need to be the vessel that allows them to do that. Heavenly wisdom is impartial. And finally, heavenly wisdom is sincere. When you look at somebody and you say, I love you, and they look back at you and say, I believe that. When you look at somebody and say, if you need me, call me, night or day, and they look at you and say, Thank you. A lot of people have said it, but I know they mean it. Sincere. See, our lives, in a bigger sense, are not about us at all. We're just players on Jesus' stage. And Jesus was a peacemaker. The fourth thing that wise persons are, are peacemakers. It says, peacemakers who sow in peace, here's the fruit I'm talking about, will reap a harvest of righteousness. Here's the story, folks. You want the product of your life to reward the Father? You have to live in wisdom. Not your own. I know what I'm doing. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. How's that working for you? Uh, We're making it. Uh huh. Yeah, but what should you be doing? Prospering. Your life should be reaping a harvest of righteousness. The world around you should be able to look at you and say, that's Jesus Christ. knows the man. He's not the man, but he knows the man. I want to be like him. So here I'm coming back. 
And in the first chapter of James, he said, um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And the Father will give it. Here's what, uh, here, here's what we hear from Jesus. Do not deceive yourselves. Well, this is actually Paul here. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Hmm. What you thought was wise is not wise at all. And what you thought may be foolishness could actually be that which brings the world to Jesus. Here's what I want you to do when you leave here today. I want you to learn to live with wisdom. And here's the key. It's not about going to some website and studying to become wiser. It's not about gaining a sense of, I can deal with this, I can do this, I can handle this, I can be this. No, it's about this. It's about going to the Father and saying, Lord, make me aware of your love. Show me from your word your direction. Show me from your word your truth. Show me your righteousness so that I can be righteousness. Show me love so I can be love. Show me grace so I can be grace. Right? Yes. It's not about us. It's about Him. Now you hit with me just for a moment. Father, we want to thank you for the fact that you have given us the promise of spiritual wisdom, pure, one that is submissive. One that works within the realm of your kingdom and to this world seems like foolishness. But one that reaps a harvest of righteousness so that the world seeing Christ in us can come to know the Father and go to the place that he has prepared for us eternally. Lord, we want to be wise. <clears throat> we don't have the ability in ourselves. But you do. And so we ask this week that you would empower us to become wise followers of your word. Help us as we journey together to allow the wisdom of Christ to flow into us and then through us to the world around us. And that in doing so, we may draw all men to you. Let us lift you up this week. Let us glorify your name. Let us love one another and let us be wise in our relationship with you so that we can be wise in our relationship with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. Shake hands with your neighbor. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.